Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense, Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Two men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score with the spring after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we explore the world of gridiron grace. Welcome to Gridiron Grace, football history that's memorable. And the Gridiron Grace Publishing and Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Swick Enterprises, we're live from the Southport, North Carolina home. Gridiron Grapes Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Grapes Magazine. Gridiron Grapes Magazine, the only publication in North America that focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150 plus years of football history and memorabilia. You can find us on the web at gridirongrapesmagazine.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, senior contributing writer to Good Iron Grapes Magazine at football, memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Seahawks. He has, from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squire. Welcome to the show. Captain, so good to be on. Good morning to you, sir. I am doing good. We have a nice, sunny, getting warm day down here in Southport. And uh, we're doing one of our our, uh, occasional Saturday morning shows where we're up early. And you have uh, gotten up beyond any type of uh, time frame. You normally get up on a Saturday morning to do the show, and I appreciate it. On a Saturday, yeah. On a, on a Saturday, yes. I'm, this is usually my, uh, you know, I'm usually up around this time to go to work. But, uh, yeah, I like sleeping in on Saturdays. Hey, hey, it's for the hobby, Bob. And when the captain, when the captain pops the, uh, the football bat signal, everyone responds. It's all hands on deck. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Joe, I'm going to hand off to you. We're going to talk a little bit about two different things. First, lead off with some 
auctions that you've been looking at? Oh, man. Uh, well, uh, uh, a, a, a couple large auctions running right now. Um, uh, and, and some things that I, I was really after. Uh, the, it seems, you know, we've talked about the uh, you know, the unopened market and how it's really taking off lately. And, man, it really seems to be uh, popping. There's a, a couple of unopened items I was really watching in an auction just recently ended. Uh, one of them was uh, a wax packs case of 1988 Topps football. And 1988 Topps football is about as junk wax as you get right before the explosion of, you know, 89, you know, 89 where they just started mass producing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've mentioned before that, you know, years ago there was a guy in Seattle who was selling, I don't even remember, hundreds of box boxes of 88 tops, probably 150. And I went up to buy them from him. And I bought them from him for about $6 a box. They were loose. And I remember I threw them in my Ford Bronco. Uh, and I looked like a pregnant rat driving back to Portland with this Bronco. Just the back end was way down. <clears throat> I had no idea, you know, wax weighed that much. But uh, so needless to say, I had shells filled with 88 tops football. Um, you know, circle back around a decade later, and suddenly this stuff's valuable. <clears throat> it's over $100 a box. I had no idea I would have 20 times my money. Here I am again, and I'm interested in collecting unopened wax. So you can find, you know, an, a, a box of 88 tops, you know, graded in that 80 to 120 range. Depends on if it's X'd out. So I figured a case of this stuff wouldn't go for that much. A slight premium for being in a case and unopened from a sealed case. You know, what, maybe 130, 140 a box? But no, the sealed 88 Tops wax pack case with 20 boxes, 36 wax packs per, went for $3,720 last night, 180 a box. So, so that is that's, a premium. My, it's mind-boggling. i got to tell you my story about the 1988 Tops football um, I used to buy unopened from a candy distributor in Connecticut nearby where I used to live in Wallingford for $10.80 a box, okay? And I had a sales tax number, so I, didn't, I wasn't charged sales tax. So a buddy of mine went in for a case of it, and the guy seeing that we were buying a case of it said, okay, I'm just going to charge you $210 a box. So we put it 10 boxes each, $10 a box. I Broke open two or three boxes. I got to look back and see what I broke open. But the rest of the boxes, I was selling at fifty cents a pack or eighteen dollars a box. And we thought we were millionaires selling at a show, eighty-eight tops football at fifty cents a pack, and people buying. And you know, a lot of kids that come up with two, three bucks, they buy four or six packs, and they want to break them. And we'll see. And that's what you want to do in the hobby. You know what I mean? I I had no idea whatsoever. Seeing the prices that I'm seeing for 88 tops, 89 tops, 90 tops on open, yeah. I, I, just, I can't fathom. I can't fathom for the life of me why that case went for 3,700 bucks. I, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. I'm sorry, I just don't get it. I really don't get it. You know. Well, somebody put a huge premium on on a case. They had an 87 case, also, but about a week ago it was removed. And I was bidding on it, and it was suddenly removed from the auction. No email, no nothing. Uh, and I emailed them and asked what happened, and uh, nobody got back to me. Uh, 
Interesting, just interesting. Also in that same option, a, a 1963 Fleer nickel pack, graded PSA 7, $4,240. Wow. That, Bob. Wow. 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 Unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. But yeah. well, what I'm – what I'm seeing now is really the junk wax error is starting to become a more premium wax error with, for example, Pro Second Series 1989. I've seen now wax boxes sell of that for $80 a box. And why it would be selling for $80 a box defies logic. You can't, I mean, in some cases you couldn't give away Pro at one time. I mean, I can remember... Yep. Dealers selling Pro Set 90 and 91 Pro Set wax boxes for two dollars a box just to get rid of it, and now yep. all of a sudden 89, 89 second series at eighty dollars. Come on, I, I I don't get it. I just really don't get it. I, I don't know even know what cards are in the box other than an Aikman rookie that's actually driving that second series Pro Set. Nor do I don't understand 88 top wax with the obsession mm-hmm. of the uh, exception of Bo Jackson and a couple other players. Yep. Why that would be. That's okay. about it. That's about it. Yeah. There's obviously a Steve, Steve Largent card in the 88 tops, uh, you know, so that, that has some, you know, effect on it. But yeah, like you mentioned, Bo Jackson as well. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But my, it, to me, it's my shameless. I, I just. My, my, my shameless, shameless uh, you know, Steve Largent plug. I got to get one per show, Bob. And you do it well. So, you know, it's, I, I just I just don't understand for the life of me um, stuff basically being thrown away, and now all of a sudden yeah. it's worth so much. And again, process not to scare anybody. So many cards and so many boxes, and I still don't know if it's still in existence. But the warehouse in Texas literally had to the rafters thousands of boxes of unopened material that just sat there for years. I don't know how that's getting into the market right now, nor has it been destroyed, nor what's driving the value of it one way or the other. I can see in a certain degree 89 being the first year and then the 93 being the last year having a little value. I can't see 90, 91, or 92 commanding any type of value the way it is. It doesn't make any sense. It is that junk wax era, absolutely. But the 88, here it comes. I mean, 87 is 250, you know, a a box. I mean, it's just it's a rising tide floats all boats, and here people are. So uh, also in that same auction, uh, all of us track uh, the 1935 Chickle Nagurskis, a PSA 7, 1935 Chickle Bronco Nagurski, went for 97,200, including the VIG. Uh, 90, so wow. nearly 100K wow. for a PSA 7 degree captain. Wow, 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 And that's good. That's healthy for the market because that, that's a card that deserves to be that much, in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's rare. There's not that many around, contrary to what everybody believes. And you know what? I, I, if, if someone is investing in football cards and they're asking me, should I put 100,000 into a Brady card or 100,000 in a NAG card? I would tell them very bluntly, I would put the money in the nag card rather than the Brady card. That's just my opinion, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. crazy. Rare. I mean, uh, yeah. And I wonder what my, uh, you know, PSA 8 Nagurski that I sold, 
you know, what about seven years ago it'd be worth now. I mean, uh, there's still six yep. of them. Yep. There's still a pop six. So it, it, it's definitely, you know, like, like I said, a rising tide floats all boats. But so that's, uh, that's some auction news. There's another auction with some very high-end uh, stuff going off right now. It's, uh, what is it, mile high that's, uh, that's firing, or excuse me, memory lane. I get them kind of mixed up. Mm-hmm. But uh, not a lot going on right now. REA's got one going to memory lane. And, uh, you know, but kinda, I kind of really enjoy when auctions are running, you know me, I'm, a, I'm an auction whore. And, uh, I love looking at auctions and stuff like that. But uh, and, uh, some, some high-end, uh, a nice football run in that, uh, in that auction, but that's about it. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think probably a lot of dealers are preparing for the national and or uh, just, you know, laying back yeah. beginning of summer, so on and so forth. So uh, it'll be yeah. interesting to see the, the vibration and the moves on the market, on the floor at the National. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, again, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's being sold, what's hot, what's, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see strength of the market continuing for football, which has, to me, always been undervalued, underappreciated, uh, un- understudied too many times over the years, mm-hmm. and, uh, gaining the respect that it's it, should be getting and has uh, hopefully achieved over the past 20 years uh, coming really as a very viable collector, as a, as uh, football card collectors and football memorabilia collectors get noticed finally in the market and that sports uh, collectibles is not just driven by baseball. There are other sports out there that are, that are driving, especially football. You know, you know sometimes – Oh, oh, sorry, go ahead, Bob. I didn't realize your guest was on. Outstanding. Um, it's, it's going to be interesting to see, in my opinion, again, where we go from here. And our guest is here, and I'd like to introduce him and get on with our second part of our show. Uh, I'd like to welcome our special guest. He's the Vice President of Global Marketing and Scientific Operations for the Waters Corporation. He also has the number one ranked ball megastat which consists of 1,775 cards. Tops run from 1960 to 1969. It is also the first registered set ever for this particular run. I'd like to welcome to our show, Mr. Jeff Mazeo. Jeff, welcome to the show this afternoon, this morning. Hey, thanks, guys. And, uh, yeah, really, really uh, great to be on with uh, you. And I enjoyed the opening conversation about some of the auctions you referred to. And I was, I was in on some of those as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, that sounds good. It's, it's an interesting market right now. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm just shocked by unopened, to say the least. But, anyway, Jeff, can you tell our audience, uh, how you became an in- interested in football and in football uh, card collecting. Yeah, so it's, uh, I'll, I'll try to be a little bit brief. It's a long story. So I've been, I'm in my mid-50s, and I started collecting when I was about 10 years old. My dad was a comic book collector, and I used to go to the shows with him. This would have been in the 1970s. And, um, you know, I noticed that some of the – I started with comics, and I noticed that some of the comic collectors were bringing – uh, you know, 50s and 60s baseball cards. So that's kind of what got me into cards was, was back in the 70s. 
as you go through life and things change, you know, I ended up selling all my cards to my dad and, and he sold them at some point as well. But as I became a big NFL fan, specifically a Patriots fan, starting in the mid to late 1990s, I started to think about getting back into cards again. And, uh, yeah, it was right around 2000 or so where I started to become, it became an obsession for me to buy uh, vintage football cards, so pre-1980s, uh, primarily through, through eBay and the, uh, and the auction houses. So it was really my love of football combined with the fact that I had been a baseball card collector as a, as a younger uh, kid. Wow. A lot of uh, – Jeff, hey, uh, Joe Squires here. But, uh, hey, Joe. A, lot of, a lot of people follow that path where it's like collective is, you know, young, go off, find your career, you know, get married and, and rediscover the hobby at some point. Um, looking at your run, this is Im- impressive as hell. Uh, Bob has completed this run in raw cards. At, uh, at one point, I was working on this, you know, this feat, 35 chickled, uh, you know, all the way up to 88 tops. And uh, so I, I tip my hat as, you know, as somebody who turned halfway down, you know, halfway up the mountain, I turned around, uh, you know, to see someone complete it. I'm very impressed. Uh, Bob mentioned 1,775 cards, 100% complete, the only one that's complete, 7.96 GPA, 799 with the bonuses, just impressive. And not only that, but a very handsome profile picture you have uh, attached to your set. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) uh, Hobby friend, Kurt Schmigdahl, looks like you aced him out. Uh, I'm not sure if you know him, but it looks like he retired his (laughs) 60s run, but... uh, 60s. I mean, this is an impressive feat. How long did this take you to get? What 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 was the last card you got? Tell us about this uh, this this very very impressive run. Yeah. So uh, just as a side note, yeah, I know Kurt very well. I buy a lot of stuff from him, and uh, you know he's a, he's a great dealer and is always willing to to you know negotiate prices. Uh, so I, yeah. I really appreciate Kurt for for a lot of the help he's given me. So uh, very similar to what you said, I, so, so I've been working on 35 Chickle, all the Bowman sets, and all the top sets in PSA graded, but I had kind of capped it at about 1967, and really no major reason other than, hey, 68 becomes a, a lot bigger set, so I'll cap it at 67 and, and just get raw sets from, from that point forward. But what happened was I started to notice, as, as I was building my Bowman sets, I started to notice these, these mega sets were available in the registry. So, for example, uh, I've also got the number one 52 Bowman large and small combined set uh, yep. with about oh, wow. 7. 7.96. Now, Kurt is right behind me, and he's going to pass me at some point because his grade is a lot higher. He's just he's missing you know, some cards from, from, the, from the large set. Uh, and then I noticed that there was a Bowman run set as well. So 48 to 55 Bowman, all the Bowman sets. Um, and so I, w- I, w- I was able to just basically take my existing sets, sign up for that one. And I, I, I had the number one ranking from that, right from the get-go, and I still do. And then I said, geez, there must be tops runs as well that's on the registry. And I noticed that there was a 60s top run. I noticed nobody had ever completed it. And I said, well, I've got – 60 to 67, I was working on a couple of the sets at the time. I was still, I still needed some in 64 and 67 specifically. So I said, well, why don't I start the 68 and the 69 set, and then I can go for the, for the 60s top run. So I, that, that was probably about two years ago 
where I, A, hadn't started 68 and 69, and B, was still trying to complete a couple of the other sets, specifically 64 and 67. So um, I was very fortunate. I was able to buy an almost completely PSA-graded 68 set in eight or better um, from, a, from a local dealer in the, uh, in the New England area. At your point, I live in Massachusetts. So that, that got me to 68 set pretty quickly. I only needed to find about 20, and I was able to complete that within like a couple of months. And then the 69 set, I just started building it right from, from scratch. And uh, I was, again, fortunate that there was a couple of set breaks that were listed in the last 12 to 18 months that I was able to win the cards I needed there to, to get that set completed. So believe it or not, to answer, finally answer your question, the thing that took me the longest – were two cards in 64 and 67. So one that took me forever to find was the 1964 Tops John Jelasic, uh number 142, I believe. I never had seen a PSA-graded card of that available. So I did two things. Number one, I submitted some raw ones to PSA in the last few months or so, just before I completed the, the run. Um, and both of them came back as min-size requirements. So I was out of luck there. Um, there was a there was an eight listed by Near Mint Cards on eBay that I bid on, but it went for like nine hundred dollars, and I just thought that was crazy. So I finally I finally found a five that somebody listed as a buy it now for like forty dollars, which is way too high. But I was like, well, I need the card, I'm going to pay for it. So that's one of that's one of the lowest cards I have in the set is that Jurassic PSA five that I'm still trying to upgrade. <laughs> and then the final final card. To, uh, to complete. So that, that was, I should say, that was the final card. The one before that, the second to last card that I needed was a 1967 Topps Burford, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So again, hadn't seen a PSA one of those for a while. I was able to purchase an SGC 92 of that on eBay at a very reasonable price. Submitted it to, uh, to PSA and again, it came back min, min size requirement. So I was out of luck. But somebody listed a four in that card. And um, I bought that again for way too much money. I think I paid $30 for a four, which is yeah. not worth it. But I, I needed the card to complete the run, so I went ahead and paid for it. So that's, that's kind of how I got there. I'm still trying to upgrade about 26s, the, the four and the five that I just mentioned. I have about 17 or 18 sixes that I'd like to upgrade. Everything else is yeah. seven or better. And my goal is to get eight and better and everything. Jeff, the, uh, the registry is a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> oh, my God, yes. <laughs> Uh, complete. I'm a completionist as well, so that yeah, tr- trust me, I've, I've floundered around a little bit. I noticed you're missing the uh, the Nagurski in the 1935 set that you have. Uh, yes. I noticed you 100% completed the 1948 Leaf set. I absolutely love that set, uh, and your cards look great. You've done a great job of uh, of being selective, you know, not picking uh, you know trimmed cards. So, uh, and you were damn close completing your 1950s run, as you mentioned, which is uh, just, I, I absolutely love that run of Bowman, you know, and Topps cards. Uh, but I, one odd question. Uh, the 1967 set, the card number 102, the Matt Snell, you have it in a PSA 6, and it's the only card you have scanned in that entire set. Why? Um, because it was a submission to PSA. Okay. So 90, I would say 98 to 99% of the cards I have in my registry, I've purchased them from either eBay or dealers. 
Um, very few of the cards I have are cards I actually submitted to PSA. Um, and basically, I think PSA, I'm, I'm not sure, I think they automatically will upload it when you add it to the set because they have it in their database. So I there's a handful that. of cards that have that. I didn't know that. It's been, it's been a while since I've had a registry, so there's a lot of, you know, little fun, you know, quirks like you just mentioned. Uh, like, you know, they used to they used to have a button where you could see what sets you qualified for. So you'd click on it, you're like, oh, that's weird. All of the 1960 tops. I had no idea there was a 1960s tops Dallas Cowboy Hall of Fame, you know, set, you know, registry. And you'd click on it, and you'd be the number one Dallas Cowboy, you know, 1960s Hall of Fame collector. You know, and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they still have that. There's a button uh, when, you're, when you're looking at your registry sets, there's a button called Start a Set. And what you can do is if you hit start a set, it'll, it'll tell you sets that you, you, you have cards for, either, you know, a few for, you know, 1% complete or ones that you have complete. And to be honest with you, back to the earlier question, that's where I found out about these mega sets. Um, I just noticed, I happened to look at, hey, what, what other set could I start? And I saw the 52 Bowman large and small combined uh, as a set that I had 100% complete. So I said, oh, geez, I should start that. And that's what turned me on to these, these you know, mega sets or runs of, of years. Oh. Yeah, you've got an impressive set run. Thank you. So I wasn't on that Nagurski, but I wasn't willing to go to a to a hundred grand. Uh, I'd like to even just pick up like a four or a five would be I'd be happy with. But uh, I think that seven was was uh, I think that price was probably a little conservative. I expected it actually to go a little bit higher because you just you never see them. And I can't imagine selling an eight today, which you mentioned earlier. That's going to be a half million dollar card, I bet. Yeah. Well, I think it might have gone higher, but it was 96% of the card, the PSA 7 Nagurski. So it looks a little trimmed. Ah, okay. Got it. Yeah, it, it, looking at the card, it looks a little off to me. But, again, I don't, you know, Joe's the expert on the trimming. So if, if you say it's a little off, Joe, it's off. That's all I can She's say. a little off. Never get cheated, Jeff. <laughs> Some people have this philosophy, especially those of us that are, like you say, on the on the registry as a drug. It doesn't matter as long as it's holder. Yeah. 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 No. I've heard that before. I hear you. <laughs> I've heard that before. But I hear the counter argument. I hear the counter argument as well. Jeff, do you have any favorite years in your sets and and or uh, individual cards in your all your runs there? Yeah, I mean, I think my favorite set, probably no surprise, is 52 Bowman Large. I just think that's just such a beautiful set and so Absolutely. hard to find in, in eights. Um, that'll, be, that'll be one that I'll be working on for a while. I think um, in the 60s run, the two that I love are, are the obviously the 64, 65 Tall Boys, I think is a, is a great set. And I also love the 62 Tops, the, the black border, beautiful. the black uh, background. Those are just so hard to find in eights as well. Um, and I think as far as, you know, individual cards, um, I like quite a few. I have quite a few 8s and 52 large, like Gifford, who I picked up relatively recently. Really like nice. that card uh, and some of the other stars as well. But I, I don't really have, like, one card that I look at and say, wow, I'm really happy with this. I'm more happy with having completed the sets and, and trying to get them in higher grades. I like to interject on 65 tops. Um, that's the first first packs I ever bought as a kid and um, oh, no looking kidding. back I, I can still I can still remember getting my name out of the pack 
and oh, I played with it. My Namath is probably VGEX. I, I'm surprised it's not worse because a lot of cards I, I really, you know, they really went through the mill, but I, a lot of cards I saved that were, you know, relatively extra better. But 65 to me is just such a beautiful set. It's just so classic vintage football to me. It's just, it's just incredible. I mean, that, that set brings back so many memories for me. I've thought numerous times of – I probably got another 50, 60 um, duplicates in my inventory, and I always thought about putting together a second set, but I said, no, nah, finishing that set once and for all when I did – I will never duplicate the memory I had that set. So I can I can uh appreciate what you're saying about the sixty five top set. It's just it's an absolutely classic, beautifully presented set. And uh I can only imagine what would happen to football cards if tops continue to make the tall boys instead mm. of making going back to standard size cards. I always wondered about them. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's it's a great uh, question. Yeah. Bob, and again, I, I, I don't know what I've also always wondered why Bowman went to the 52 small and large because the large that I started and stopped and sold off three different times or four times now. And I just, I could never understand that either. But again, to me, nothing, you know, memory rise, bringing me back to my childhood, so on and so forth. 65 tops is, is unsurpassed, unsurpassed. Bob, I got to correct you there. Don't, ever be down on your name as your 65 name i i know of no other people other than you who have, have, can trace the provenance of their name card back to opening a wax pack as a kid that is i mean every time you tell that story i get goosebumps i absolutely enamored by that story just a, thinking of a young you know mustachioed bob swick you know <laughs> child with a big mustache opening this pack and pulling out broadway joe and going oh my gosh and just, but yeah, uh, yeah, love it. Um, I think I was, yeah, that, that, I think I was oh, born with, oh, five, I was born with five o'clock shadow, Joe. So uh, it just stayed with me. <laughs> One of these days you're going to surprise me and show up to the national and shave your mustache and I won't recognize it. Um, Jeff, I same order, 65, 62, two of the nicest sets. Absolutely love it. You and I got to grab a beer one day because uh, our, our collecting paths are very similar. Um, the uh, your you have a you have a PSA seven uh, sixty five you know tops Joe Namath um, no scan though how how what, what's the story behind that where would you get it Yeah I mean again you know it's funny you guys at the beginning we're talking about prices in the hobby and you know obviously I've been I've experienced that over the last you know two years yeah. and, and really over the last six months I would say so yeah I picked it up on eBay back in twenty sixteen I think I paid the about four thousand. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. I actually paid fifty five hundred for it uh, at the time, which was again something I thought was too high. But uh, you know, I needed it to do the sixty five set at the time, so I I bought it. And you know, now that that card's going for you know ten k plus, so certainly was yeah. uh, was was worth the investment. But yeah, no, I just like I say, most of the cards I buy are already graded, and ninety percent are are on eBay as that one was. Jeff, I'm old enough to remember when, when there were multiple PSA 8 NamUs on eBay around that 5,000 range. So, uh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, another card that I think has gone crazy lately that I've been following is I, I, I need to upgrade in my 57 set. I need to upgrade the – I have a 7 Unitas yep. um, and a 7.5, I think, star. 
So I've been looking to get eights in those. And um, I don't know if you've seen some of the prices of those, but at recent auctions, they're, they're now 20K plus, which oh, is just, you know, wow. really, really hard to get wow. my head around. It's tough. Wow. That's it, 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 you know, as Bob was mentioning earlier in the show, it's just the, the prices. I mean, we both love the hobby, but, you, you know, you also have to, you have to realize, you know, they're, they're, I mean, these things are valuable. Now suddenly, you know, the prices have just skyrocketed. I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, it, the name of the Nagurski, all of them, it's interesting. I mean, I was looking at your leaf set earlier, and, like, you know, you, you know, I go to the bigs. I go to the, your, you know, you know, how's, you know, how's your, your concrete Charlie? How's your, you know, Sammy Bob, your Sid Luckman? I mean, and you, you, you're doing what I was doing. I was putting together all of these sets, and just putting one set together is costly. And then you, you start, you know, I would imagine your, your Sunday nights are like mine used to be where I just, I'd sit down and I'd spreadsheet after spreadsheet of cards I needed and I'd start pouring through and searching on eBay. And, you know, you're, you're happy to grab a couple nuggets a week. Yeah. So I, um, so the way I work, I, I pretty much start every single day with coffee and eBay. So what I'll do is uh, I'll, I'll go search I search eBay for what was listed, you know, in the last 24 hours by year. So I'll search PSA, you know, 48, 49, 50, et cetera, in football, and just kind of see what was listed and, and start uh, and start bidding them that way. And then obviously whatever I won that night, I'll you know pay for and add it to my registry. And I really just use the registry to track what I need. Um, oh, gotcha. So I'll. I'll click on the registry, and you know, if you if you hit grade, it'll tell you it'll it'll list your set in order of you know ascending grades. So, for example, in 48 Leaf, the card I've been trying to upgrade for a while, it's a Bednarik. I have a four. Uh, been trying to get a six or, or higher on that, but as you know, those very very rarely come on on the market. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that the Bednarik and the Leo Nomalini are the the tough cards. Those are the second series. I have a. Uh, 48 leaf uncut sheet uh, series one, one through, you know, uh, 49 hanging in my office. It's my, one of my prized possessions. That's nice. Uh, Beautiful. Um, I, I, what, what else? I mean, you, 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 you've got it. You, you, you went to the top of the mountain. Your fifties and sixties runs are impressive. I noticed you, uh, you know, you've got 70, 71, 72 that you started grinding away on. Uh, what, what's, What's next? I mean, I assume 1977 tops because you're after the larger cards. Yeah, no, I think I'll probably stop at 72. I, I don't know what it is, but again, it's that artificial barrier. After 72, the sets became significantly larger. So I, yeah. I just recently started 70, 71, and 72, just just to have something to do. But again, you know, especially nines in those now are, are really, really skyrocketing. So they're, they're hard to get, but I'll be working on those for a while. What I've been debating about next, to be honest with you, is, is whether or not I want to start the Fleer sets and the Philadelphia sets. I'm not a huge fan of Philadelphia sets. I, I don't think that they're great looking cards. Um, so, but I, but you know, look, they're the classic 60 sets. You got a lot of important rookies in there, you know, like Dale Sayers, et cetera. So I'm thinking about those sets. And then Fleer, you know, again, I'm not a big fan of any of the sets. The 63 set is nice, um, but I, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the 60 or 62. And incidentally, there was a complete 63 set on that same auction that we've been referring to that was eight and better that went for like 12000 hmm. hmm. You know, there's a huge difference between a collector 
and somebody who scarfs up completed sets and then puts them in, you know, puts them in the black PSA boxes on a shelf. Uh, you mentioned, I, I always go back, you, you, you mentioned a couple of the cards you really had a tough time getting, and I can't remember their name, uh, but when I was collecting the 57 top set in PSA 8, my Achilles heel was the Zeke Bradkowski card quarterback for the mm. Pittsburgh Steelers. If you're not a Steelers fan, you have no idea who Zeke is. Um, and that card was the rarest card in a PSA 8 in the 57 top set when I was putting through. And I could not find it. And eventually did what you did, went to a national, and every single booth I stopped at, you know, thumbed through looking for Zeke. I bought, like, you know, 11 Zekes at a national, <laughs> went and submitted them all, and, uh, you know, and got an 8. Uh, nice. But if, if you bought the 57 tops complete, you would have no idea who Zeke Ratkowski is. If you ground away and built that set from scratch, you know exactly who Zeke is. And these are the little, you know, the little nods between collectors that everybody has. Uh, you know, so, I, I, you know, I don't know. There's, you know, there's, there's a little, not disdain, but there's a little bit of, you know, like, you know, you took a helicopter ride to the top of the mountain for the people who buy the set complete, you know, because it's, you don't get, you don't get a, you know, you don't get to find those nuances of a set. You know, it's kind of cheating. I don't know. I mean, yeah, that yeah. Said, I know. I've bought complete yeah. sets too. You know. Yeah, you know, one of the things I've been debating recently is, um, you know, I've I've heard arguments on both sides that you're better off buying a set complete graded because you'll get the best deal yeah. as opposed to like building it, you know, a few cards at a time. Um, I was thinking about doing an experiment. There was actually a complete seventy-two set that was available recently, all eight. You know, every single card graded eight, no, nothing less, nothing yes. more, but all eight. I was like, well, geez, I could buy this, and then I then I try to build one from scratch and see and see how it plays out. Um, I'm guessing buying a complete is probably the cheaper way to go. I would agree, especially with shipping. But I, I mean, I've bought complete sets, and you're you're a busy guy, you know. So I, I I wouldn't look down at you for buying a complete set. I get it. I've bought complete sets. It's just. You miss the nuances, you know, and uh, it may, maybe that's that's half the thrill for me is you know just knowing all that, I guess. And yeah, no, you know what I mean. Well, I mean the card, the card I was saying that was one of the last ones I got was that, that '64 Jurassic. You know, I've talked to a lot of my dealer friends, and they all said the same thing: you just never see that card. You know, and you, you wonder like why? What what is it about that card that there's just not a lot of high grade versions available? Um, it's a short print, but there's a lot of short prints in that set. So what is it about that one that's so unique? Yeah, it, and I, I love it. You say I talked to some of my dealers, dealer friends, and it's just I, I had my dealer friends too. People like Kurt that we've talked about before. You know, I, I value his opinion. Uh, Mike Thomas from from Newman Cards, very knowledgeable yeah. guy, and has his own sets as well. So it's it's people like that that I'll ask. Hey, you know, I'm trying to find this card. Have you seen one? And they'll they'll confirm. Yeah, that's a hard one to find. Now it's yeah. interesting, and all the all the sets all the sets I've had, I've never bought a set complete over the years, mm. and I've always pieced pieced it together. And long story short, to me, it's always been more fun piecing it together because you get such a sense sense of an accomplishment once you pick up the last card or the last few cards for the set. But so, Jeff, I could really appreciate you, you know, doing what you did, single card, you know, or, or groups of cards. I mean, that's an amazing feat. That's even more amazing doing it that way than, than, you know, somebody like Joe saying, you know, they buy the complete set and then they just register it and they're done type of thing. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, well, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no I was just going to say that um, I, I, I totally agree with you that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of satisfaction in building it, you know, right from scratch. Um, it's fun. It gives you something to do. And, I, and I, I, I don't know about you, but what I find personally is that when I'm first starting a set, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm working the 70, 71, and 72 sets now, I won't aggressively bid at the beginning. You know, it's like, all right, let me see if I can get some good deals, you know, add some quality cars at good prices. But once I pass that 60 to 70% complete mark, mm-hmm. all of a sudden now I turn into a super aggressive bidder. It's like, I got to have the card because I don't know if I'm ever going to see it again. So it's just kind of interesting, yeah. the psychology of, of, you know, set building and how your mindset changes. Yeah, yep. definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's that last 10% of the set that takes 90% of the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, do you have any um, collecting stories you would like to share with our audience about uh, the stuff you've picked up over the years? Yeah, I mean, I think um, not so much with any of the PSA graded sets. It's funny, the buys that I remember of sports collectibles are the maybe the esoteric ones that you find where you don't expect to find anything and you and you do. So for example, I guess one of the stories that I'll always remember was I was I was at a flea market up in uh, New Hampshire, and the guy had a bunch of older Sports Illustrated magazines like bundled up in small pieces of rope. There was probably like ten to twenty of them in each bundle. And I looked and I said, boy, these look like they're old. And I think you guys may be aware that there was a few issues. Sports Illustrated, where they put um, copies of, of uh, baseball cards in them. So they had like 54 tops, and then there was a, a couple issues oh, wow. that had 55, I think. Now, they're not cardboard. They're just like a, on a piece of, you know, glossy paper, but they're inserted yeah. in the Sports yeah. Illustrated. So I said, you know, I wonder if he's got, you know, any of those issues in there. So it's issues number one and two, and then I think it's like issues 10 and 11 or something like that. I might be wrong on the last two. So anyways, I bought a couple of these stacks of, you know, Sports Illustrated for a couple bucks a piece, went home, opened them, and sure enough, all the ones that had cards were, were in the middle. So I couldn't wow. see them, but they were in there. So I was just, you know, and they're not worth a huge amount of money. They're probably worth a couple hundred dollars each. But uh, that's a score that, for whatever reason, I always remember because it was so unexpected. Mm. Wow. I love it. You and this hobby, you become you become friends with people. You you mentioned Kurt Schmigdahl. I mean, you know, he and I, you know, shared a room at a national once and just had a great time, laughed. And uh, I mean, and when I started selling off my sets, I let him pick through some stuff, and what he picked was a massive. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of cards. Uh, I, I filled a suitcase and I filled a duffel bag. With them, wow! And I happened to be busy, so I I sent my uh, I sent my nephew on an airplane to Chicago. Kurt was uh, flying, you know, you know, from Iowa to Chicago to see his wife off. You know, she was heading to, to Mexico. So my nephew, you know, has a picture of Kurt, has Kurt's number, meets Kurt, hands him a duffel bag and a suitcase. You know, Kurt hands him an envelope, and my nephew gets back on a plane and flies back to Portland. Uh, and I just I chuckle. I, I chuckle at that, you know, interaction there, you know, wheeling a suitcase full of football cards and, you know, my, you know, Bowman Smalls and stuff like that is what, you know, he, he picked through. But 
but I just I dig the guy. He's such a classy guy. And I love dealing with him, and it's just I I I I really like that he's had an impact on your collection too, because he certainly had one on mine. Well, it's funny because one of the things that I love about the registry, and I, I probably should have mentioned this to the earlier questions, it, it, once you get on the registry and you start to get in the top ten, the other other registry uh, set holders will start contacting you, and you'll make connections. So, for example, I'll give you a great example: fifty-two Bowman Large. I've got yep. like the seventh set right now, um, but there's a guy. Uh, his name is Dave David Patra, who has the third set. And him and I have connected, and we've become really good collecting friends. And when he's trying to upgrade his set, if there's a card that comes out that he needs, he'll contact me and say, look, I need this. Can you lay off sitting it? And I'll say, sure. Uh, and then similarly, if he upgrades a card, um, he'll let me know, hey, I've upgraded. I know you need this. I'll sell it to you for a good price. Those types of relationships that come out of the registry, I absolutely love. And they're super helpful for you to, to you know, advance your set. Yeah, Absolutely. At one point, I was collecting the Hall of Fame rookie card set, and out of the 20 people, you know, the, out of the top 20, I think I had cell phone numbers for, you know, 13 of them, and I would call them regularly or vice versa. You know, you know, like one guy lived in Phoenix, and I remember going down there for a football game and, you know, went to his house and, you know, had a barbecue. And, you know, yeah, these people oddly become friends. I mean, there's a guy in Australia who I – you know, met through collecting. We stayed at his house for a week when my family went to Australia four years ago. Uh, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's weird. I mean, I have friends here in Portland, but, you know, there's a camaraderie. There's a, you, you go to a national, stuff like that. It's just, it's amazing. Have, have you been to a national yet? How active are you in the hobby out, outside of the register? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I have never been to the national. My dad was, uh, every year would go to the national in the you know 1990s through early 2000s, but uh, I've never actually been to one. I've been debating about going to one just because I've never experienced it. I heard it's an amazing experience, and it's really you know the best cards in the world are often there. So yeah, no, it's something I think about doing, and thinking about doing it this year as well. Nice. You're gonna be you're gonna be close this year because it's in Atlantic City. You could probably just drive down there and uh, and check it out. And I, I highly recommend it because uh, it, it is just an incredible experience to be at a national and seeing what you see there. Yeah, really no, amazing. I appreciate that. I appreciate that advice. I, I, Atlantic City, I know, I know it's there, and I was saying, you know, if I'm ever going to go, this is the year. Okay, Jeff, I'm looking at the 52 large set, you know, sets because, uh, you know, I, was, I, I, I haven't looked at it in a while. I hate it when an auction house, like right now there's Memory Lane as the number five set for a, a set that's coming up for sale. I hate it when they bog the, you know, the registry down with auction items. Well, so there's an interesting story to that one. So there's actually three memory, memory lane sets. The two set, the five set, and the one right behind me, the eight set, are, are all listed as memory lane. Those sets are not going up for auction. It turns out it's an older gentleman who, you know, is not as computer savvy oh. as, 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 as others, and he's got memory lane has added these sets for him. Um, and the only reason I know that, again, that the, three, the guy who has the three set, uh, David Patra, told me that because he contacted Memory Lane to say, what's up with these sets? Are you listing them, et cetera? And that's what they told him. Interesting. Oh, I see. Memory Lane used to do that. It bothered me. Uh, I, no, nice to see Fab Frank still around. I used to know him. He collected Hall of Fame rookie as well. I dig him. 
Yeah, I've tried really to contact good. him. I've tried to contact him. He has quite a few high-grade football sets in the registry. I've tried to contact him about trading, trading, et cetera, but I haven't, uh, I haven't had any luck reaching him. And I used to I, – I think he's a sugar salesman in, like, New Mexico or something like that. I forget. It's been, uh, you know, 15 years since I've talked to him. And that, that's just what I'm talking about. You just begin to know people and, like, oh, Fab Frank. And, yeah, this is, this is a trip down memory lane. I haven't been on the, uh, the registry in a while. Yeah, well, like you said, it's, it becomes an obsession. It's certainly an obsession for me. And, um, but it's, it's fun, and I think it's, you know, been rewarding. And, and, you know, as much as I hate to see the prices in the hobby race rise so much, because yeah, I'd yeah. love to be able to add some great cards, but it's also beneficial in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a hobby. I mean, it's just we all have to have those hobbies. I'm, I'm, either, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be hit by a bus tomorrow, but I used to tell people it's like I know that there are 144 cards in the 1950 Bowman set, and I need two of them. And it's the number 100 Sammy Baugh, and I'm like, I, I know that for certain. There's, there's not much certainty in life other than collecting like that. If you're a completionist, it really scratches an itch. So, no, I, I get it. Therapeutic, indeed. Indeed. Yeah, and I think one last thought on the auction that, that just went off recently, Thursday night. Um, the other thing that they had quite a few of was some extremely high-grade 48 Bowman football, uh, including yeah. a whole bunch of nine, which are all pop yeah. one, you know, none, none higher pop one. And uh, I was fortunate to be able to get, get a handful of cards there to upgrade my set. But those, uh, those did, did very well, including a, a number uh, uh, 108, I think it is, or 107, um, the last card in the set, Buford Ray, which, Buford. yeah, that, that's just, you very, very rarely see anything more than four in that set, um, but they were remember that of his card. The Bruce Smith PSA 9 was in that, too, uh, you know, a very, a very important Heisman card. Yeah, there, there was a lot of nines in that set, and they, uh, they, they, they did okay, but they didn't go as high as I thought. I was able to pick up about 10 or 12. Eight to nine to, to upgrade my set, but they're they're in somebody else's set because that's another frustration with the registry. You know, you win cards on an auction, and you go to add them to your your inventory so you can add to your set, and they're in somebody else's inventory. Um, and that forty eight Bowman run that was I think it was a set that was broken up. It must be somebody's set in the registry because they're all they're all not addable. Um, just fun, one other fun funny story on something similar. I, t- I mentioned you know we talked about how I just started the seventy one set. And I recently won about 100 PSA 8 on eBay auction on a, on a set break. Every single one of them is in somebody else's registry. And I've been trying to get them to, you know, take them out. I've contacted the auction company that, that listed them. But instead, I'm going to have to take photos of the front and back of every card and upload them on PSA, which is a pain. I hate that. I absolutely oh, well. hate that, man. And I used to just sit there and try to add it, add it, add it, going, you know what? I'm going to hit this person with like 40 emails and annoy the <laughs> hell out of them to the point where they delete it. <laughs> but that doesn't work. Yeah. It seems to no, P- PSA stopped that. Once you send one removal request, if you try to send another, it'll say you already sent a request. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. That used to be, that used to be our ammunition to try and get people. But, yeah, I used to know Cassetta personally because, you know, I, I, I was adding so many cards that people would – you know, leave OPF. I, I hear you. Man, these are, it's so fun to talk to you. These are just the frustrations that I had for years that uh, I have. A, I moved on to collecting, you know, more, you know, odd, older stuff. 
but uh, yeah. And uncut sheets. I have the uh, I have the the uh, fifty Bowman uncut sheet run, and the, and one uncut sheet of forty eight Bowman. So it's I don't. A lot of the rarity of these cards comes from where they're positioned on the sheet. Fascinating. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. No. I I agree. I think the uncut sheets are amazing. I can't believe you have a forty eight leaf and forty eight Bowman. Those are those are going to be like one or maybe only a handful of those in the world that exist. Yeah. Yeah. Well. What do you, it, I mean, it, it, I feel like we could sit here and talk for hours about your, your collection. I love it because it just runs parallel to something that, uh, you know, Bob is, Bob is doing and, you know, and I tried. What, what are your final thoughts? What, what advice would you have for collectors who are attempting to say? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess my main advice would be to um, buy high quality. I know that's probably, you know, overused, but, you know, if you can, if you can get, higher grade versions of the cards, even though they cost more, I think they're worth it because they they're, they're, they have more physical beauty to me. You know, I, I enjoy looking at them when they're well-centered and the sharp corners and the colors pop off the yeah. card. And secondarily, I think that, you know, in terms of holding their value or appreciating, I think there's a much higher chance. That would be my first piece of advice. Um, and then the second would be to, you know, have have fun with it and meet people through the hobby. I mean, I think that's probably for me, as I was saying before, the the best part of this is is finding fellow collectors who have the same obsession, um, who you know you can talk to about stuff, but more importantly, you can help each other out. And um, there's something to be said for that. You know, when 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 somebody I know well in the registry like goes up a notch because of a card that I've sold to them, that makes me feel happy, and I know it makes them feel happy. So to me, that's a that's another key part of the hobby as well. Yeah. Good for you. That, that's that's spot on. Amazing, amazing, Jeff. I, I your collection is just incredible. I'm, I'm just uh, in a way speechless about it. And uh, my one suggestion, going back to something you said, um, I complete. Obviously, my run includes the sixty, sixty-three flare and sixty-four, sixty-seven Philly sets. I do recommend, even though you don't like them, go for them. And um, mm. because that's really 1960s football history right there. Uh, both leagues, uh, both card producers. It's just uh, incredible to see those cards back to back, set to set, year to year. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool collectible. That's my only suggestion. But man, oh man, you've got an incredible collection. And uh, I appreciate you being on, taking time out of your schedule to talk about it. Um, just, I get, I'm speechless about it. Great card. Great card. Well, thanks for the opportunity. I I love talking about my collection, and uh, I love hearing from other collectors. And uh, I I hear you on the Fleer in the Philadelphia. It's a matter of time. I will start them, um, probably once I can complete the uh, seventy to seventy-two tops. <laughs> well, you know that's again. I always say forty-eight to seventy-two. That's that's basically true football cards in yeah. set in uh, series form. And you can't can't do any better than that. That's great. That's a great run. Yep. And seventy three to eighty eight is the second part of that of that run, and that's a fun run also to say the least. Vintage. I enjoyed it. Vintage by definition, forty eight to you know, thirty five to seventy two. Yep. yep, yep, incredible. Jeff, thanks for being on today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate and, uh, it, guys. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for being on. Okay. Bye bye. Joe, we're going to go into our two-minute warning, and I'm going to hand off to you.
What'd you pick up on today's show? Dang, it's wow, it, it, very impressive. Uh, when he posted on VFC about his sixty tops, I went in and looked at it, but I didn't go past the you know that that master set. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, I I spoke about it on a previous Gridiron podcast, but my goal for a long time was eighteen ninety four to eighty eight tops. And yep. at one yep. point, I'm like, oh, let's reel that in. Uh, I'm, I'm not really passionate about that Mayo, you know, the, you know, the, the Mayo set. So let's just call it Chickle the 88. And, but at some point, I, I gave it up, and that was right around, you know, 2014, 2015. Uh, and I haven't really paid attention since then. It's so good to see someone, you know, with the, with the scheme and the passion, you know, going for it. And I, yep. I just, I'm, I'm impressed. I, I agree with you 110%. And, again, I remember when you were talking to me privately about what you were doing, that you were, you were going to end the, the run. I, I, you know, in a way, I, I felt bad. But then, I, you know, I understand it. I mean, when I, when I put my run together, it was a dramatically different market. You know, you didn't have the Internet. You didn't have eBay. You didn't have, you know, you didn't have all these things that you have today that you can get the cards from. So when I, when I put my sets together, there were a lot of them straight from wax and then just find a few cards to finish them off and or be going back like I did back in the eighties to, to do 64 and back, which was a real challenge. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I always lost steam on three areas. I lost steam on the 52 Bowman large. I lost steam yeah. on 35 chickle and I still am halfway done with the Mayo. I know I'm never going to get the Dunlop, so, you know, I don't like having a non-completed set, even though it's, the you know, one of the more rare cards in the set. So, you know, those were always my three hang-ups in a more advanced run. So, you know, if I had more disposable income, I, I would pursue it. But now I, I just can't see myself trying to trying to, to do those sets. The one set I would like to finish, minus the Dunlap, still remains the, the Mayo set. Because I still like the the classic look of it, and I still like it being an Ivy League set. <laughs> so that being said, something down the road, one way or the other, we'll see what happens. Here. All right, we got about, we got about a minute and a half. If you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Grace Magazine, what are you waiting for? GridironGraceMagazine.com. Joe, any other final thoughts? Final ideas? I I agree with what Jeff said. You know, buy buy what you like and get to know people in the hobby. I mean, here you and I are. Uh, yeah, so I, I I tip my hat. I 100% agree. Uh, get to know people in the in the hobby. It, it, there's some really good people out there. It makes the hobby fun. And I, and again, if, I think if in especially in football football collecting, if more people treated it as a as a fun thing to do. Uh, rather than the, you know, that they're fighting a battle on the gridiron and trying to win, I think it would be better for everybody all involved. So uh, it goes back to what John Spano said in his article. Both sides in a transaction has to be satisfied. And, and but that, you know, it's really true, to say the least. So, all right, we're almost out of time. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll be back soon with another show in May. And we'll see you then. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, 
a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.